When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. One of the hosts of the podcast. My name is Kyle Dabra. What's going on, everybody? Kevin Valentin here on the half of the podcast. Kyle, it's uh, an interesting weekend, to say the least. Yeah, I think uh, you're a little bit more excited than we typically are just because your boys came through against Golden State on Sunday. So I imagine you got to be pretty happy about that. I'm not going to lie, I didn't even watch any of that game until the fourth quarter, just because I saw that we were down 15, I was out and about with my girlfriend, and I was just like, you know what, Like, I'm not even going to stress myself out, ruin my weekend, I get home, and I see it's like 88-93, and we end up coming back to win in Golden State, so I'm not upset, but I'm not going to pretend like I watched it, so I'll take it for what it's worth. Hey bro, better than my team right now, my fucking team sucks right now, so we, t- we couldn't beat freaking the Clippers without Kawhi and Paul George, I mean. Bro, it's a bad look. All, all in all, it's a bad look. But I, the Lakers are a whole different story by themselves. We're not talking about them today. I'm in no mood to talk about them today. But uh, we we got a couple topics to go over. You, uh, you ready to dive into these? Sir, yes, sir. All right, so pretty much we're going to focus on some NBA content today. There will be some other topics that we touch on in a few different sports, but it will be primarily NBA today. The first one we're going to go over is Kevin Durant's uh, return to the Brooklyn Nets. It is expected that he will return from his MCL sprain later this week. So Kevin and I will just talk about the impact that he's going to bring when he gets back to the Nets. After that, we'll talk about Isaiah Thomas for a little bit. Isaiah Thomas had a pretty impressive performance in the G League the other day where he dropped 46 points. And even though, despite the fact that he's in the G League, Kevin and I are going to talk about whether or not he deserves to be on an active roster in the NBA at this current moment in time. After that, we'll transition into some NFL discussions. Free agency is coming pretty soon. Should be upon us within the next two, three weeks or so. We are starting to get some rumblings ahead of time. One in particular is Michael Thomas, wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, We'll talk about whether or not we could see him potentially on the move this offseason. There are some issues contractually that the Saints are going to try to work out with him. But if they don't, that would mean that they could possibly see Michael Thomas on a new team going into next season. And then after that, we're going to focus a little bit on the UFC. We're going to focus on one individual in particular, and that is one Bobby Green. Bobby Green had quite an entrance into his fight this past weekend against Islam Makachev, and the result did not necessarily go his way. Um, we'll dive into that a little bit later when we get into the uh, into that part of the podcast, but that'll definitely be a fun topic for me. So I'm going to have a lot of fun with that one. But that's pretty much the agenda that we have for you guys. Let's not waste any more time. Let's dive into our first topic, and that is Kevin Durant's upcoming return. So as it's stated right now, and as it's being reported, uh, Kevin Durant is expected to return from his MCL injury that he suffered over a month and a half ago. And despite the fact that we are seeing KD come into the fold later this week for the Nets, the Nets are really going to need his presence 
There was a stretch a couple weeks back where the Nets were on a terrible losing streak. And the losing streak was over 10 games at one point. I think it got to 11 or 12 games at one point. And the team as a whole really struggled. And currently they find themselves in the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference. Before KD went down, they were a top two, top three team in the Eastern Conference. So it really kind of highlights the significance of his absence for that team. Now, Kevin, to kick this one to you, with Kevin Durant coming back into the fold for the Nets later this week, just what do you think his impact is going to be once he's back in the rotation for Brooklyn? I think it's going to be pivotal. I mean, we're talking about a top two player in the NBA when healthy, a player that can change the dynamic of a game both on offense and on defense because we know he has improved his defensive capabilities, but obviously more so on the offensive side is what he's known for. So we know what Kevin brings to the table. He can shoot from deep, mid-range. He's got great handle, can finish at the rim, great free throw shooter, has been improving on his ball, on, on his distribution. Obviously uh, not a pass-first player at all, but he has been known to be able to find people and make good passes here and again. But Kevin Durant adds a must-cover player on this team. Kevin Durant demands a double. Kevin Durant is also somebody that you need to fear because when he's on the floor, that's a man that can get 30 while sleeping. Like, not even remotely close to a joke because he's, what, career-wise, almost a 28, 29-point-per-game score in his entire NBA career, which is just absolutely unheard of. But for the most part, you need to prepare for Kevin as opposed to when he's not on the floor, you have to prepare for the Nets as a unit. So we all know that since Seth has been acquired from the Philadelphia trade with uh, for James Harden and whatnot, that he's been playing at a high level. Drummond's been playing better. And obviously Kyrie Irving just dropped 38 the other day. And potentially New York is looking to uplift some of the mandations between the vaccine policies and whatnot. But that's another conversation for another day. So you can see that as a whole, Brooklyn is playing a lot better as of late. And in large part, I think that's because James Harden is no longer there. I think the distraction is gone. I think that obviously the two players that they acquired, and of course Seth and Drummond are playing very, very well. Now KD's coming back. Now you have a for sure offensive, reliable scorer. Now you have somebody that can take over a game. Now you don't have to look and see, on in away games in particular, who is going to be able to score the ball when we need it the most. You get your best player back. You get one of the best players in the world back. Kevin Durant will single-handedly carry this organization back into a top-five-seeded team. You heard it here first, and that is just Kevin Durant. So if New York ends up not lifting this policy – we're going to be talking about the Nets still being a top five Eastern Conference team. And Ben Simmons has apparently not experienced a setback, but it was reported by Shams yesterday that he's having some back soreness and it's going to take some time to get him acclimated and, you know, kind of like back in game shape with that back soreness that he's going to have to deal with. So overall, it's going to be on KD's shoulders. And I don't think he's ever had a problem holding that. So just put the weight of the team on his shoulders. I guarantee he's going to lead him to the promised land, man. KD will be back with a vengeance. Kevin, I'd be hard-pressed to disagree here, but I'm with you 100% on this one. And I'll kind of actually take it a stretch further than you did. I think when KD gets back into the fold, you said top five in the East. I'm going to just flat out say I could see them in the top three because I think what KD is going to provide is it's going to provide a massive spark for this team, and I think it's going to lead to a huge run. Because, Kevin, I mean, let's just face it here. I mean, Kevin Durant is one of the most dynamic players that we've seen in this generation. The guy can go out and score 30 
like it's a walk in the park. And really what you've seen from Brooklyn when they've been on this losing stretch for a large portion of when he was out, that team just wasn't firing in all cylinders because they were missing essentially the main piece that makes this engine go with the Nets. And of late, they've been playing better. Kyrie's been playing out of his mind. And when KD gets back into the fold, I really do think that this team is going to start hitting its stride. And I think there's a very good chance that they are going to go on a massive winning streak just because when you look at KD's presence and what he's able to put out on the floor, you got KD, Kyrie, those two are going to demand a huge defensive presence depending on who they're going up against. And it's going to space the floor for shooters that they have on the roster. That's like you said with Seth Curry. Ever since he's come from Philly, he's been lighting it up. And I imagine that we're going to see some of these role players for Brooklyn really step up because now that you have KD coming back into the fold later this week, he's going to demand a huge defensive presence. So I could see guys like Andre Drummond getting some good buckets moving forward. I could see Blake Griffin getting good minutes. I could see Patty Mills also increasing his total volume because he's been playing really well from them in one of those role player positions for them this year. And I would expect more of the same once Katie gets back into the fold. I think the Nets, there's a sense of urgency that they were missing when KD was out. I think now that he's coming back later this week, I think it's going to be balls to the wall energy. These guys are going to feel that urgency because they're getting towards the end of the season. And this is go time right now. They got a lot of ground to make up. They're eighth place in the Eastern Conference. At one point, they were top two, top three in the East before KD went down. And I think when he gets back, I could potentially see them getting all the way back to that two or three position. But when he gets back, they got to be firing on all cylinders. And I think that Katie's going to feel that urgency. And really, I think it's going to propel them not only just into a top five position. I think it's going to get them to a top two, top three position just because it's Kevin Durant, bro. The dude's unstoppable when he gets into a rhythm. Now you got Kyrie who's playing out of his mind, and then you have some of these role players step up. I really do think that the Nets can go on a massive run here, and I'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that really can stop them once they really get rolling because that team has the firepower to go out and score 120, 130 points consistently. There's not too many teams that can match that. So I think the Nets are in a great position here once he gets back, but they have to make the most of their opportunities when he gets back because they are running out of time in this season, but really all eyes are on KD and his return. And I think it's going to be exciting for Brooklyn moving forward. And let's not pretend that they play James Harden on the 10. I guarantee you KD's got that marked in his calendar. Oh, I yeah. guarantee you James has got that marked on his too. So we are in for quite a show on March 10th when the Brooklyn Nets play the Philadelphia 76ers. And you know that KD is going to look at that as this is my opportunity to show him I'm back. Mm-hmm. And I ain't forget how you ended it in Brooklyn. And I want the smoke. We all know KD is not shy to come across to the media aggressively. We know that KD is not a petty player, but someone that remembers when someone crosses him. When Russ was talking shit and KD had to respond to the media. You know who I am. Do you know who I am? I'm Kevin Durant. Like, mm-hmm. he has earned the right in his great career to be confident. And I'm looking forward to see how he responds to the Nets' potential struggle to his first initial couple of games of him getting back in game shape, game rhythm, because we all know not everybody has the ability to 
come back from a, a six, eight, nine week, whatever it is, window, he was out and just come back and drop 30 immediately. So don't be surprised if he starts off a little rough around the edges, a little rusty. But again, Kyle and I, as well as the rest of the world, March 10th is going to be a must-sit TV. Get your popcorn ready because those two go, those two players are going to be exchanging back and forth. Oh, yeah, and the thing is with the Nets, the Nets, I think, really have to make the most of March because this is the stretch where they have to get back into a top-seeded contention in the Eastern Conference because, you know, look, I mean, the Nets have had kind of a disappointing year just because there's been a lot of drama associated with them. The injuries have bothered them. They've had their bouts of COVID as well. But I think this team is going to start really rounding into form in this late stretch of the season. But they have to make the most of it. This is a huge stretch coming up. And really, when you kind of get into those top four or five seeds in the Eastern Conference, that's where like these teams get log jammed. And there's not that much of a difference as far as like the number one seed compared to like the four seed. Because if, if memory serves me right, I think Cleveland's only like three and a half or four games behind Miami for the first seed in the Eastern Conference. So if the Nets kind of find themselves in that situation towards the end of March going into April. I think if they just play consistent and they play their style of basketball, do they are well primed to get to a top two, top three position. But it's like I said, these guys got to play up to snuff and they can't, they can't screw off here. They, they got to be on point here moving forward. And I do think that Katie's going to bring a sense of urgency to that team. And really, bro, I mean, Kyrie, even though he's not playing home games, bro, he's, he's been phenomenal. This dude is just, he's on another level right now. I mean, 38 against Milwaukee and Milwaukee is one of the better defensive teams in the NBA and Kyrie was dancing on them. I I, I mean, in, in Milwaukee in that game, they were fully loaded going up against Brooklyn and Brooklyn is still missing Ben Simmons, who hasn't gotten his debut yet. And Kevin Durant. I mean, you're talking about two pivotal pieces moving forward for the nets. And despite that Kyrie's able to go out there on the floor, dance and boogie on all of Milwaukee. Give it, Give them damn near 40 and get a dub on the road. I Listen, bro, I know Kyrie's kind of had his own issues. He's created his own sense of drama throughout the years, whether it was in Boston, whether it's been in Cleveland or now in Brooklyn. But, dude, I cannot deny what this guy has been doing this season when he's been on the court. He's not playing half the games because of those uh, vaccine restrictions in New York, but he's making the most of it on the road. He is not playing down to competition. He is going out there and balling out. And I got to give that man credit because he's been phenomenal when he gets going, bro. Kyrie ain't no joke, bro. We all know the type of player he is on the court. When he's on, I've said it for years, he is unguardable. There is not a soul on earth that can stand in front of him and say, I got him. Because let me know when that person exists. I would have loved to see Gary Payton try. I would have loved to see Ron Artest try. Like, we're talking prime elite defenders in not just our era, but then in our parents because they're known for what they've done on the court for defensive reasons. But Kyrie Irving, he bro, he cooks everybody, man. And when he's in his bag like that, bro, you ain't stopping His, his, his handles? It's the greatest handle like, in NBA history. No doubt. I mean, we've seen some great handles in the past. Like, AI had great handles in his time but dude with Kyrie that ball is on a string I mean it's just the way that he's able to contort that ball and be able to maintain the dribble 
and then be able to pull up from 15, 20 feet out, or for God's sakes, hit a step back three if it's there. I just the dude's electrifying. And I know it's kind of unfortunate that he's not playing in half the games because of the vaccine restrictions in New York City. But dude, I'm just saying right now, if New York lifts those mandates moving forward as we get closer to the playoffs and Kyrie's able to play in those home games, I'm telling you right now, I I think the Nets are literally a vaccine mandate away from winning a title this year. But it really just kind of depends on whether or not the New York is going to lift those. But it's kind of crazy to kind of like form it, that type of statement around a vaccine mandate. Because we all know what Kyrie's talents are. We all know what his skill set is. But, dude, if he's able to play those home games for Brooklyn, that's a nightmare scenario for these teams in the Eastern Conference that are trying to make a push in the Eastern Conference playoffs. It's going to be a nightmare scenario if he's able to play in those home games because you can't tell me that the Nets wouldn't be front runners if Kyrie's playing all those games. It, it's a difference maker moving yeah. forward. If that's significant, case. significant. It's dude. I, I I'm stumbling. I, like I'm literally stumbling over you know Kyrie just because the dude's incredible. Granted, I know he has this little bouts of drama here and there, but I can't deny the man's skill set. The dude's just on another level, big time. But we can talk about Kyrie Irving all day. There is another guard that Kyle and I want to bring up really quick. And Kyle and I have talked about this individual in the past in an episode, but we've never actually given him a a specific spotlight to where we talk about him in depth. And Kyle, I don't know how you want to word it or if I should word it, but, you know, Isaiah Thomas is just balling the fuck out right now. And we're talking about Isaiah Thomas from the Boston Celtics, short little guy from Washington. And he's been in and out of the NBA for a couple of seasons now, on a roster, off a roster, in the G League, out the G League, independent league, Drew League, whatever. And he has been putting up massive numbers in every league he's been in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Kyle, I don't know how you want to word this, but, yeah. man. I'll, I'll take it from here. I'll take it from here. So, like Kevin stated, I mean, Isaiah Thomas, granted he's not on an NBA roster at this current moment in time, but he was in a G League game. The other day, I think he's playing for the Denver Nuggets affiliate. If yeah, the Grand Rapids Gold dropped forty six points in that G League game. Now, granted, we know that Isaiah Thomas is a small person of stature as far as like the NBA is concerned. The guy's only, I believe, like five nine. But you cannot deny the fact that this dude, when he gets on a roll, he is one of the most prolific scorers despite his height being a disadvantage for him. He's able to make space, and he's able to create shots and knock them down. And when he gets hot, he can shoot with the best of them. Now, the, really the question from here on out is, is whether or not he, that he deserves to be in the NBA. Because when you put up damn near 50 points in a G League game, I would imagine that would raise some eyebrows to some teams possibly looking to add some depth to their roster as we get closer to the playoffs. Now, Kevin, to pose this one to you, with Isaiah Thomas dropping damn near 50 points in a G League game for the Nuggets affiliate this past weekend, do you believe that Isaiah Thomas deserves to be on an NBA roster as the playoffs approach later this season? I've been saying it for years. I said that this man deserved the spot a long, long time ago. The fact that he had to go through what he went through in Boston and the trade that sent him to Cleveland and then the cut. And then he goes to the Lakers and then back and forth. And then he was a 
uh, a COVID replacement for the Mavericks, for the Lakers, and a couple of other teams. It's honestly kind of disrespectful that that's all he's utilized as, is a, a person to fill a roster. When, like Kyle just alluded to, when he's on, he is on. There are some people on NBA rosters that you look at and you say, who in the hell are you? And how is Isaiah Thomas not on the roster? We understand the disadvantage that he presents on the defensive side. He is 100% a liability. He is an individual in which anybody is immediately at an advantage because of the height. Isaiah Thomas is giving up 15, 20 points, if not a whole lot more, to most of his opponent matchups in terms of when he is guarding them. And on the other end, he's actually giving them a shot too. He's giving them effort. He's giving them a headache. He's given them 50, 20 points of his own when given the right minutes and opportunities. Now, what I'm saying here is you can't sit here and look at me in the face and tell me that what if, what do basketball players have a 15 man roster for a professional team? And like about five of them don't necessarily suit up for most rosters, right? Unless you're like they're Spurs who rotate a lot of that bench consistently because they have everybody play. But the point I'm trying to get at is you can't tell me that Isaiah Thomas offensively is not better than some of these players that are just getting paid to sit there for free. Why is Isaiah going to drop 46 to raise an eyebrow? Why is Isaiah going to drop 81 in a Drew League game this past summer to get any attention? Why does Isaiah Thomas have to continuously get 10-day contracts, drop 12 points when only played 10 minutes, drop 15 points when given 9 minutes, and still get cut? Isaiah Thomas, to me, has been blackballed. I don't know why. I have no concept as to why he's getting cut, and some of these players getting millions of dollars is beyond me. So I'm on the wagon of 100%. That man deserves a job. I'm not saying he's got to be a starter. I'm not saying he's got to be a sixth man, a seventh man, an eighth man. But some teams need some guard depth in the NBA, and I'm literally looking at the NBA like, well, can – a couple of teams use him. Can, like, the Hawks use him as a backup guard? Can the Wizards use him? Can the Bulls use him with Lonzo Ball and Caruso being hurt? You know what I'm saying? That's just the Eastern Conference. I'm looking at some other teams here. You're telling me that the Nuggets don't need him right now with no Jamal Murray? I get he's playing for their affiliate, but, I mean, Monty Morris is really your definitive. That's That's what you're going with right now? The Timberwolves backup? You really going to tell me that? Isaiah Thomas ain't better than their backup. The Clippers can't use him behind Reggie Jackson. I'm just saying, there's a whole bunch of teams in the league that could use him because he's able to give you 10 to 15 points. And he's sitting there in the G League drop and been at damn near 50. I think he's one of the most disrespected players of all time. Well, Kevin, I, I hate really saying this about Isaiah, but it is kind of his height that I think is probably the biggest disadvantage on why teams aren't pulling the trigger to keep him on the roster consistently. But Kevin, I got to be honest with you. He's been absolutely dominating in the G League the last couple games. I actually looked up some of his stats in the last game or two with this Denver Nuggets affiliate in the G League. Kevin, he's averaging 44 points a game in his last two games with this G League. Like 44 points. Granted, I know that Isaiah Thomas has been kind of hit or miss in the NBA. He had a great stretch when he was with Boston in the mid 2010s, had a kind of a tumultuous situation with Cleveland. And then he's kind of bounced around the NBA after that. But I can't deny the fact that this dude can hoop, that this guy can shoot extremely well. And it's Kevin. It's like you alluded. 
I don't see a situation where he's going to be instantly a starter if he gets signed to a roster in the NBA. But to me, if I'm a playoff team and I'm looking to shore up depth on possibly my point guard position or maybe add somebody who's like 8-9 on the bench, I mean, Isaiah Thomas would be a great option to go to. He doesn't have to go out there and play 30-35 minutes because... I would imagine most of these playoff teams already kind of have their roster set up going into the playoffs, and they probably don't want to mess up the chemistry with those lineups. But to me, Isaiah would definitely bolster the back end of a roster that has possible championship aspirations this year. So, I mean, when I look at the situation that he's currently in, to me, he's too good for the G League. I mean, the guy is 5'9", and despite that, he is scoring damn near 40 points, 45 points a game. I mean, that's damn near unheard of i mean there's a lot of guys that play in the g league that play great basketball who get limited time in the nba that probably deserve a little bit more but the fact that isaiah thomas is essentially kind of like wasting his talent in the g league i think it's a little bit disrespectful but kevin it's kind of what you said i think it's kind of odd that he just kind of bounces around in the NBA on these 10-day contracts. Sometimes they'll give him a second 10-day contract, kind of kick the tires here and there. I think he deserves a little bit more respect than that. Granted, I know that Isaiah Thomas isn't like what I would consider a top-flight player in the NBA, but I have to admit, when Isaiah is knocking down his shots, he could shoot with the best of them, especially when he gets rolling. So... Moving forward, I think there's going to be some teams that are looking at Isaiah Thomas. They're going to recognize, damn, this guy is cooking in the G League. And if we get him into a good situation, we're able to kind of link up the chemistry with some of our bench players, and he gets hot, that could be a great situation moving forward for some NBA teams looking up to shore their back half of their lineup. And I think looking at Isaiah, as long as he's able to keep his ego in check, and he's able to adapt to the role that a team could potentially put him in towards the end of the season, I think Isaiah could definitely shine bright if he's given an opportunity with a team going into the playoffs. So hopefully that happens. I'm really kind of rooting for the guy here, and hopefully he's able to land with a team because he's playing great basketball right now, and I don't want people to lose sight of just how good he is despite he's not in the NBA right now. See, it's funny because we talked about this a few months ago, and you were singing a different tune. And I'm not going to let you off the hook I, with that I, one. I, I can't, I can't deny it now. I, I, I can't, it, it, dude. I can't. It's we're we're looking at a person strictly for height. No one is saying he got to defend. There are plenty of grown NBA players that suck at defense or don't try. James Harden, and people don't give a shit because James going to give you 50. That's fine. James going to give you 12 assists. Not everybody's like that. Carmelo Anthony, for the majority of his career, just a scorer, no effort on defense. But no one says anything because he's tall. The height should the not make it. The, the, the lights, the lights, goddamn you. The, the, the height should not make a difference mm-hmm. because there are people with the height that do the same shit, except they don't even try. We're sitting here and we're judging a person that could legitimately drop 30 if given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. He may not do it as consistently as some of the players that I'm naming because. He obviously has to go through some of the more difficult aspects of creating those shots because he's at a size disadvantage. But when he's on, like you said, he is one of the most exciting players to watch because you're like, hell, he just drove it between two. He just split two defenders. He just threw up a float and one. He just he just pulled up from, from 26 feet like Steph, and he's a lefty. Like, 
come on, man. He is so different. His game just comes to him so naturally. And then he's confident. Mm-hmm. We get it. He's had a multitude of injuries. Well, he understands. He's been in and out of the league for the course of the last two, three seasons. And he's still not giving up. Dude, 46 in a G League game, 81 in a Drew League game. And I get the, the fact that it's a Drew League game and there's not necessarily a lot of competitors. Bro, but that 80 and he's 5'9"? That's not easy, bro. You could go to a gym and you're not going to drop 15 in a Drew League game. Granted, these are professional to an extent, professional basketball players from either overseas, street ballers, and one players, former NBA players. I get it. But... but you people don't understand the difficulty. Um, I, I I'm not letting this go. There are not five, six, seven teams that could not use him in the playoffs right now. What, like you said, whether or not he's nine or ten, someone's in foul trouble. You need a spark. The, the other team's on a run. You need somebody to come and alleviate somebody for minutes. You're telling me Isaiah can't give you ten minutes. You're telling me Isaiah can't go out there and give you ten points. I. I I'm just saying, bro, I'm not yeah. letting it go. I've been supporting Isaiah Thomas for so many years, and people, I'm not going to just say like Kyle, but people similarly to Kyle Stahl process said that he's too short, he's too much of a liability. It, it makes no difference now. He's doing it on a consistent basis in every aspect of the league and out of the league. Give him a fucking contract, and he deserves to go out there and play in the league. And to me, you know, granted, his offensive capabilities, I, I, I can't deny you know, that's just something that I think that's just one of his advantages, despite the fact that he is relatively short for an NBA average player. But I do think that when you look at Isaiah Thomas's full game in its entirety, that defensive aspect is such a big weakness. 100%. And there's no doubt, even despite the fact that he popped off in Boston, that Boston's they had to, that Boston had to change kind of their defensive scheme to be able to kind of cover up Isaiah's deficiencies on that side of the ball. And even despite the fact that Boston had a lot of success, how, how much did they sacrifice in defensive coverages when having somebody on like Isaiah Thomas on the court? Now the great that he would drop 30, 40 points a game. Nobody can deny that. And everybody was kind of in his corner when he was on that Boston run. It's just, I think when you look at some of these teams that could potentially be looking to add him onto the roster, they know that his offensive game is there, but it's like, it's a double-edged sword based on the fact that his defensive presence is kind of weak. And everybody kind of, I think, acknowledges that. And I think that's why you see these teams, bro, they'll kick the tires. They'll see what he can provide off the bench. But when it comes to defense, it's just not there. It's not there consistently. And sometimes you get some of these teams that are just kind of set in their ways. It's like, yeah, can't deny the fact that he could score. But on the other side of the court, we got to change basically most of our defensive coverages to cover up for him. And it's unfortunate because the guy's got skills. But it's just whether or not you have to kind of balance the pros and the cons with this one. I think that he deserves a, a roster spot in the NBA. But it's up to these individual teams that have to look at the situation that he presents. And they have to balance whether or not that he's worth it in the long run for them instead of just doing a 10-day contract. So hopefully he gets a roster spot. I think he deserves it because when you're dropping 40-plus points in the G League, bro, you got to be raising some sort of eyebrows with some sort of scouts in the NBA. But I guess time will tell, bro. 
That's kind of the situation I see with Isaiah Thomas, and hopefully he gets his shine because I think some teams could definitely use him in the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. I'm I'm not gonna repeat myself again. So I mean, we got another topic here. Um, sorry, guys. I just I get so animated with Isaiah Thomas because I've been preaching it for so long. And Bro, Kyle he's knows our height. I, I mean, he's our he's our height. Like he's shorter than us, Kyle. He's five nine. Bro, I'm six feet with shoes on. Like with shoes, he's five nine. I'm just saying, like you know, he's but like, but I'm saying, like for for typical people, like he's average height. Five yeah. nine is an mm-hmm. average person it's an average male mm-hmm. height right so you got dudes listen that's one thing i could kind of relate to isaiah to a certain extent i'm like we're the, basically the same height and he's in the league bro like that's it's crazy he's able to overcome that not too many people like that are able to make an impact that great despite the fact that they're they're not, they're not that tall compared to typical nba players so i gotta i, I give him a lot of credit bro there's a lot of odds that are stacked against him just because of his height alone, but he's able to look past that and dominate in good stretches here and there. So I got to give him credit for that. But like, but like Kevin said, we do have some other topics to hit. The next one we're going to hit is going to be an NFL related one. And it's going to focus on Michael Thomas, one of the wide receivers for the New Orleans Saints. So the Saints have been making some moves this offseason right now. They've been shifting some of these contracts. They've been restructuring some of these to free up some cap space potentially acquire some free agents in the offseason, also try to make some room for their upcoming draft picks. I believe the draft is coming up in April, so they do have to free up some cap space for those guys that they're going to sign to the roster. Now, the interesting thing about Michael Thomas is, now that his contract has been restructured, it's whether or not that we're possibly going to see him wearing a Saints uniform next season, because there's been some rumors circulating that even though despite that his contract got restructured by New Orleans, this actually makes him more of an enticing trade piece in the open market in the NFL than in the last couple of years that he's been with the Saints. Now, granted, Michael Thomas has been dealing with some pretty significant injuries that have sidelined him for the last, I believe, like the last season and a half. He missed all yeah. of last season. So there's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Michael Thomas going into next season. So Kevin, to kick this one to you, now that the New Orleans Saints have restructured the contract of Michael Thomas, do you think it's more likely that we'll see him on, in a Saints uniform next season, or do you see him playing for a new team next season? To be honest, I'll be blunt. I don't think he's going to be in New Orleans next year. Um, there's a couple of reasons why. Changing coaching staff, there's not a solidified QB1 out there in New Orleans. I know that there's rumors that they're going to re-sign Jameis, but Jameis and him don't really have much of a rapport. They don't necessarily have chemistry. And I don't necessarily know if Michael wants to go through that whole rebuilding stage because they didn't do that well last year with Trevor Simeon. And obviously they put a lot of money into, um, oh my God, this freaking guy, that quarterback. that we make fun. No, the quarterback that you and I make fun of that isn't going to win them a game. The utility guy, Taysom Hill. I knew it was a weird T name, but I was drawing a, a blank. This is why me and Kyle do the same thing. Um, not the same thing. This is why me and Kyle do this together because I have brain farts pretty often. Um, but they spent their money not responsibly in a lot of ways, and I don't think that that's going to bode well. As Kyle alluded, he's missed basically the last two seasons. And to his own accord, though, Kyle, we've talked about this also. Um, when the season ended on Drew Brees last year, he should have had surgery immediately. He tried to rehab it, and then he had a setback, and then he didn't have the surgery until basically right before the regular season. 
That's on him. That's on his camp. That's on his representatives, whatever. Michael Thomas did this to himself. He could have easily fixed this by having the surgery after the Super Bowl of last year, and he chose not to. It is what it is. I don't know the exact you know, medical reasons as to why he chose to try to heal it the old-fashioned way, but whatever. Michael Thomas's contract was large. We all know that Michael Thomas, I believe just a few years ago, signed a five-year, $96 million deal with the Saints. They've now restructured it, and now Michael Thomas is – like Kyle said, a little bit more of an attractive piece to go out there and acquire. A, a, a Definitely a cap hit, but something that teams can deal with because when healthy, he is arguably a top three receiver in the NFL. Now, I looked up some teams that are looking to acquire some wide receivers. Just in the draft, imagine instead of a rookie you're taking a gamble on with a draft pick, whether in the first round or the sixth round, you can go out there and acquire a Michael Thomas. The Miami Dolphins jump right off the page to me. The Indianapolis Colts jump off the page to me. The Green Bay Packers jump off the page for me. But Green Bay, not so much because Green Bay obviously has to worry about the Aaron Rodgers debacle and re-signing Devontae Adams. So cap-wise, that doesn't make sense to me. But my next team, the Philadelphia Eagles. There are plenty of teams that need a receiver like that. There are plenty of teams that need help on the offensive side of the ball. And all the teams that I just listed have some availability in the cap space. Again, when you make a trade of that magnitude, it's going to come with some other pieces. You're going to have to give up some capital to get somebody like that as well. But with me not knowing how contracts work specifically in the NFL with trades of how much of the contract the older team has to you know, eat because of a guaranteed money deal or whatever the case may be, I truly believe that he is going to immediately take a team to the next level. Miami was in the bubble last year. Miami didn't really have a receiver outside of Jalen Waddle. Devontae Parker is always injured and whatnot, and they have a, a litany of other players that are in and out of the lineup because of injury and COVID last year or whatever. Philadelphia Eagles, they missed out on major draft picks a couple of years in a row. DK Metcalf they passed on. They got J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And again, unfortunately, this is just how his career is going to be labeled. They went for Jalen Rager instead of Justin Jefferson, and that's going to stay with Rager for the rest of his life because he's going to be labeled the guy that could have been Justin. He, Devontae Smith needs some help out there. Jalen Hurts needs another target to throw to outside of Goddard. The Indianapolis Colts, obviously, my team. We don't have a fucking receiver outside of Michael Pittman. I love Zach Pascal. He's not a definitive number one. And we got a bunch of young guys in and out of the lineup. Again, but first, we need a quarterback. And, of course, an edge rusher. But I'm not going to get into the specific needs of other teams. I'm just saying there are teams that he could take to that next step and basically be in a better situation than he is in New Orleans. There is no guaranteed quarterback situation right now in fucking New Orleans. And Jameis is coming off of a torn ACL. So we have no idea what's going to happen with that either. I'm just saying, I think it behooves Michael to leave, go to a competitor, and it's like a, like a, a, a prove-it year because you need to show, hey, listen, I still got this. I'm still MT, and I want to keep this money, and I want to resign an extension. So, yes, he still has two years left on that deal. But you got to understand, dude, if anything Carson once shows, just because you got guaranteed money don't mean a team ain't scared to cut you. The Colts are about to do that with Carson. So Michael Thomas at that position with injuries, I don't think anybody's scared to cut him either. Well, when it comes to Michael Thomas, to kind of like take your point that you made, it's like this is kind of like a prove-it year for him. I'll kind of rephrase it a different way. I think this is more of like, did you forget who I am type of year because the way that I see it is Michael Thomas when he's healthy is one of the best receivers in the NFL 
I mean, Kevin, we're only two years removed from him putting up damn near 150 catches, over 1,700 yards receiving, and almost 10 receiving touchdowns in 2019. He was one of the most prolific receivers, really the last couple seasons that Drew Brees was in a Saints uniform. I mean, from like 2016 to 2019, Michael Thomas was putting up over 110, 120, 130 catches consistently and was constantly getting 1,300 yards receiving, 1,400, 1,500 yards receiving. Like it was like a walk in the park for him. Now, granted, these injuries have definitely hurt him as far as his availability goes. I mean, he missed the entire year last year. So to me, this is a season where he can come back into the fold for New Orleans and say, listen, you guys remember me, right? You guys know what I'm capable of. And trust me, if he's ready to go, if he's 100% ready to go, I think wherever he goes, whether it's with the Saints this upcoming season or if he gets moved to a new situation with a new team, I think he provides an instant spark for that wide receiving core wherever he is. And I think he's going to bring a lot of excitement just because, Kevin, he's only 28 years old. I think people get this idea that like Michael Thomas is like, in like his early 30s, and he's kind of hitting with the end of his career. That is not the case whatsoever. He's 28 years old. He's in the prime of his career. And to me, I would love to see Michael Thomas go back to the Saints and absolutely light it up for over 100 catches, 1,500 yards receiving, try to get 10 receiving touchdowns. But you don't really know what New Orleans' intentions are when it comes to Michael Thomas because they know that injury history is a major issue with him and they may look for suitors to possibly trade him now they would probably get a couple draft picks back they may get a receiver in return from him so we're gonna have to see how that plays out but if i had to kind of put it on whether or not that he stays whether he goes i think initially he stays with the saints but i think they'll actually move him in the season just because i think the saints proposition when it comes to this plan with michael thomas is they're going to see how good he is in the initial part of the year. I think that'll drive up his trade value. And if there are teams willing to give up a decent amount of trade capital, or they're going to possibly trade some players to go along with that, I think the Saints could definitely make a move and send him somewhere else. Just because I think the Saints are in a situation where they may want to clear up a little more cat space since they are in a rebuilding phase. Now that Drew Brees is gone, now that Sean Payton's gone, it's an entirely new leaf in New Orleans. And I think they may be looking to kind of essentially kind of redo this entire roster to start a clean slate and kind of build it back up with some younger talent. And that may mean moving one of their best players in Michael Thomas. So I, I'm kind of open to the door that he's going to play with the Saints early on. But if I had to guess, I think he actually gets moved in the season, not during this offseason. I just think it behooves him to get out of there just because – you don't want to put in all that effort, you know, that commitment. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And then, you know, find out mid year, you got to go start that over, create a new chemistry, get, you know, start with a whole new quarterback and team mid year to me that just, if you know, it's coming, if you, if you see it in the cards, if you see how they're kind of, you know, managing the roster, if you see how they're handling the rebuild situation, get out first, get out early rather than having to deal with that whole restart in the middle. It's to me, it just, why not just get out of there and go somewhere where you're not just wanted, but you're actually needed? I don't see New Orleans making a run anytime soon, even if Jameis comes back. It depends if they if he demands a trade. 
and really from what I've seen so far is Michael Thomas has been kind of quiet this offseason. I haven't heard a lot from his camp so far. Really the only news that we've heard about him so far is this contract restructuring with the Saints. And that was just a day or two ago. So Can he say anything knowing that he screwed himself out of a whole year because his stupid ass chose not to get – you know what I'm saying? Like what what, what would he have to say you gotta, anyway? You, hey, listen, you got to live with the results. It was probably the wrong decision at the time, but he went with it, and now you just got to live with it. But it's kind of like what I said. I do think that this year it's like this is a season where it's like you guys do remember who I am, right? Like I'm Michael Thomas. And Michael Thomas, when he's on the field and he's healthy, it's one of the best receivers, if not arguably the best receiver in the game. I mean, just from a production standpoint, Kevin, you can't deny the production that he provides. I mean, it's zero percent will ever be denied. I mean, 149 catches in 2019. He broke my boy's all time record. You think I don't know who he is? I'm just saying, like, there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to be interested if there's a possibility that the Saints are going to move on from him. And trust me. I think some teams may get lucky here and they may not have to give up as much as they probably could have had he stayed healthy and not dealt with that foot. Was it a foot or ankle injury specifically? Ankle. So. I blame Sean Payton for that, bro. We talked about it when it happened. I'm not forgiving Sean Payton for that whole situation. He should have never been on the field. That's all Payton. That's all him. Yeah, but I mean, listen, I, I think Michael wanted to go out there and help the team. I can't. Listen, I, I can't deny. Oh, they were up 17 points at that point. Week one of the year. It's the fourth quarter. Go sit down. It was listen, stupid. And they were about to score. It was listen, dumb. Listen, man. Listen, man. Listen. Hey, if Mike wants to go out and play, bro, got to go let him play. Like, you know, I understand you're up 17 points. I, I get that. But, dude, like for me, I, I can speak from experience. Bro, I want to be out there on the field. I don't give a fuck if we're up. 10 points, 20 points, or 30 points. There's Why a difference there? when you get when, when it's going to cost you millions of dollars, in which it, it did. Yeah, but, but it's like, Kevin, I mean, injuries happen all the time. You never know when they're going to happen. They just occur. It was dumb. He shouldn't have even been there in the first place. He got rolled up on a fucking play that he didn't even I, touch the ball. I understand that. But it's like, Kevin, like you get rolled up on any play. Granted, I'm not he, denying that. He, he, I mean, granted, he got rolled up in, in, in that game in particular, but it's like, there could have been a situation the next week or two where, you know, he he's in a situation, catches a ball, it comes down, corner lands on his ankle, rolls, rolls it. It's just, it, it's a part of the game. It's unfortunate, yes, because essentially, like, he missed an entire season because of it. But it's like, that just comes with the game. It's, hey, bro, you know, you want to hate the game sometimes, but it's like, sometimes it just happens like that. And, and I mean, I can speak from experience, you know, great. I didn't play the NFL. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, but it's like, all it takes is one bad step or it's just, you know, you get rolled that it, it happens to the best of us, bro. Like, it's no, just, it definitely does. Hey, you're I, talking to Mr. Injury, you and me, bro, you're talking about years. You, you talk about me, bro. I fucking rolled my ankle playing one-on-one basketball with you. Granted, that was my fault because I was wearing oh, top shoes, but it's like, still, it's like, bro, rolling an ankle. It's a common occurrence. Hell, when I'm at work at Amazon, if I step out of the van wrong and I, you know, hit like an irrigation head, what, what do you think my ankle is going to do? I mean, bro, it's going to be like, it's going to like, it's going to Yeah, no, I, I get it. I just, I'm, I'm upset. Dude, we, we talked about it when it happened. You agreed in the moment. You were like, there's no reason he should have been on that field. But it was like four yeah. minutes. They were driving. They were going to score. 
He wasn't getting the ball. They were running the clock out. Yeah, it's listen. It, it, it's a lot easier for us to Agreed. Monday no, morning quarterback this thing, and then kind of like yeah, like hindsight's twenty twenty. But hey, bro, as a competitor, you want to be out there. No, I get it. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm not denying and, and, that. And, 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 but I understand the point that you're making. Sometimes you got to know, hey, when to cut it off. Say, hey, bro, we're good. You know, rest up. We're gonna need you for next week. And you'll be good to go from there. But it's like as a competitor, it, it's tough to it's tough to fight that. And trust me, I get that. It's it just it didn't work out. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, it happens. I know. I know. I just you know certain topics get me pissed, as you can it, tell I, from the last two. <laughs> I mean, had this been, had this been like Michael Pittman Jr., you guys are up fifteen twenty. I, I would have lost. You live. live. I'm you not, live. I don't even want it. Nope. I'm not even. You bro, my hairs are standing. I can't because Frank would do some. Just what? What do we? Nope. Nope, I can't even speak English. No, nope. bro, bro, you're stumbling over here. I mean, oh, because I just can't think of that enough. You just the love for Frank from you is just it's, it's over deep. the moon, my guy. It's, it's over the deep. Moon. It's 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 like overwhelming. It's like you know when you see a puppy for the first time, and you just want to hug him. Like you just like, ging, 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 ging. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Except I want to hug him so hard, you know. It's like, oh, call a game the right way. God, it would just be a match. It would, like to me, it would just be like magical for you to be able to be on the sideline just to call a game. I would not I, call a game, but I would definitely just say, "Yo, we about to run this thirty-seven times in a row." Any objections? Okay. Yeah, bro. Just take the uh, take the Patriots playbook when they played the Bills the first time in Buffalo. Granted, I don't talk about that third time. The third time it didn't work out well. That was uh, that was no, no, no. But that first time that was pretty bad. I, I, listen, I will always say this. That first game, when the Patriots played the Colts, uh, not, not the Colts, the Bills, I imagine every Colts fan was looking at that game. It's like, why can't why can't we do why why can't we do that? We saw it works for them. I mean, I remember. I think Jonathan Taylor when they played the Bills, didn't he score like five touchdowns in that game? Yep, four on the ground, one receiving. I'm just saying, like, like they was like they had like forty some carries as a team against the Bills in that Patriot game. It's like, it's like there's your blueprint. It's right there. It just accept it like that's what it's gonna be but no frank wants to be on his bullshit it happens yep but i don't have to deal with that for another seven months so we'll see what happens yep now we got one more topic and that involves this is kind of like my realm this is kind of the ufc part you know i know i know kevin's not really into the ufc like i am but um i gotta talk about this past weekend in the ufc it, one fight in particular. It was the main event of the weekend. It was a fight between Islam Makachev and Bobby Green. Now, to kind of give you guys some context, let me change the camera so you guys can see what I'm talking about here. So Bobby Green was going up against Islam Makachev this past weekend. And for anybody who's really kind of into the UFC, Bobby Green was just coming off of a fight a week and a half ago where he won on a decision in a three-round fight. So the original fight that Islam was supposed to have, they had to change because the original fighter fighting him couldn't go. And Bobby Green took that fight basically on 10 days notice. So, and that was despite the fact that Bobby Green was not in the weight class that Islam was in. So Bobby had to do quite a dramatic weight cut to be able to even participate in the fight. And I got to give him credit. He got into shape for this fight against Islam. So I, you know, I got to give the man credit on that, but this is where it kind of really comes down to 
when Bobby Green was walking out into the UFC ring before the fight was going to take place, Bobby Green walked out to a song that is basically regarded as one of, if not the best diss songs in hip hop history by Tupac called Hit Em Up. And that was Bobby Green's walkout song before fighting Islam Makachev. And I think everybody pretty much knows that when you walk out to that type of song before a fight, listen, you're hyped. You're ready to go. You're trying to get in the zone. You're trying to get ready for this fight against Islam. And you're trying to make a statement. I get that at 100%. What happened in that fight did not go Bobby's way in any way, shape, or, shape or form. Bobby lost that fight in the first round to Islam in about three and a half minutes. As a competitor, I understand trying to get hyped, and I know, understand that that's a song that you're going to walk out to. But there is no excuse for you to play that type of song and you get wrecked in the first three and a half minutes of the first round. It was literally a one-sided fight. And I understand that Bobby was coming in to that fight on 10 days rest. I, I give him credit for even being in the cage for that fight. But you can't take an L like that when you walk out to a song like Hit Em Up. Hit Em Up is one of the be- best diss songs ever. And for you to lose in that manner, get absolutely destroyed by Islam Makachev, who's one of the best maulers in current-day MMA. I mean, he's very similar to what Khabib Nurmagomedov used to do before he retired. And Islam is one of the best up-and-coming fighters that we're seeing in the UFC. He is going to get a title one day. It's not if it's going to happen. It is when it's going to happen because his style is so very similar to what Khabib did throughout his tenure. Islam is just the extension of that, and he's doing it once again. And Bobby Green was the latest victim. And I could talk about Islam all day because Islam is just a star on the rise and he is going to be a great belt holder one day when he does capture it because he will. But my focus here is on Bobby. You cannot take a first round L when you're playing that type of song as your walkout song. That is a massive L. And I understand that, listen, Bobby does not care whatsoever what people think. And, you know, more power to him. But I got to just step back and it's like, look, dude, I know you're trying to get in the zone. I know you're trying to get hyped. But you get at least got to get to the second round if you're going to play a song like that. Listen, if you get wrecked in the second round, so be it. But, dude, you lost in the first round. I don't want to hear it. First round TKO by Islam. And you walk out to a song like Hit Him Up. Bro, you, you took the fight on 10 days notice. How can you even start like a beef with the guy with when you barely even know the guy to begin with. I like, it's just, I just, I can't get this out of my head. Just you play, hit him up and you get wrecked in three and a half minutes in the first round. I just, I, I can't accept that. I'm sorry. So Bobby is a mid-level fighter at best. And to me, if you're going to play that type of song, you have to at least be a belt holder or you've got to be in a situation where you've been baptizing dudes for three or four fights in a row where you walk in with that type of swagger, that type of confidence. Bobby Green is a mid-level fighter at best. And he got wrecked by Islam, who's probably one of the best up-and-coming fighters in the UFC. So to me, when I look at it, Bobby Green, bro, you took the biggest L of the weekend. Because, bro, when you play a song like that and you get wrecked that quickly, I I know I'm being petty here, 
dude, that's an L. And it's an understatement. It's it's just, I, I don't even know what to say. It's just, do better. Just do better. That's all I'm going to say. It's just, oh God, just dude, dude. I step like, away for a second. I step away for one second. And I come back and I hear, do better. It's just, I'm just like, dude, like, you know, the thing is, like, if you've been wrecking dudes, three, four, five fights in a row, you've been knocking them out, or you've been just annihilating dudes. You know, playing that type of song, I get it. Because at that point, you've kind of earned it. Bobby Green hasn't earned it. Are you kidding me? I mean, I give him credit that he took the fight on such short notice. But dude, when you're playing Hit Him Up, or if you were going to play like Ether by Nas... Bro, you gotta win that fight. Or if you lose that fight, at least make it competitive. You lost in the first round with like a minute and a half to go. <laughs> it was embarrassing. It was like the biggest L of the weekend as far as I'm concerned. There's been a lot of games. There's a lot of matches that have been played this weekend. But bro, I can't let that slide, dude. I'm sorry. You play hit him up and you get smacked like that. Check please. Check please. And just I'm I got nothing to say. It just that's just me. Hey, that's enough to uh that's a good note to end it on, honestly, because that just made me laugh like hell. Like thank God I was muted Do on the other end. Better, Bobby Green. Do better. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Do it's gonna be the name better. of the episode. Do better. Honestly, dude, this would this should have been a situation where like somebody in his camp. You know like some of the scenes from Fresh Prince of Bel Air when Uncle Phil like slaps the shit out of like will smith's head like back of the head or like carlton yeah. like the back of the head when they do something stupid literally somebody in his camp when they said yeah i'm gonna fight islam makachev they honestly someone should have just been like just like dude what are you doing you just fought a week and a half ago now you're gonna fight against one of the best up-and-coming fighters in the ufc islam makachev are you in your fucking mind i'm like you deserve to get your ass whipped in the cage because islam is not a dude to fuck with i don't give a fuck what anybody says and islam give islam gave him business bro Islam's going to get a title fight after this. And this, honestly, bro, this was like a sparring match. When you get a sparring match as like the main headline event for the fight this weekend, dude, bro, that's a bad look. You can't be doing that. You're going out to fucking hit him up and you get wrecked like that. Nah, bro. Mm -mm. Nah. I can't accept that. Literally, Uncle, bro, I'll be my Uncle Phil shit. Just like, bro, what are you doing? What are you doing? Guess he didn't know what he was doing at that point. If it was that bad, oh my god! I mean, Bobby Green's not a scrub. I wouldn't say that like he's like the worst UFC fighter to ever come through the like the gates of the UFC. But like Jesus, like do better, do better, or at least like think ahead before you do something so stupid. Like take a fight on ten days' notice. Right, you got dro- you got dropped like twenty pounds ahead of it. No, no, I'm I'm. I'm I, Bro, I'm good. Okay. I got it out. I got it out. Hey, you, you, you've alleviated this trap. I, I feel good. I feel good. Good, good. This is what this podcast is about. It's just an open place for us to express ourselves. I know. You kind of do it more often than I do. 100%. But, but this, this, one, this one got me hot, bro. This one, bro. Uh-uh. No. 
See, but I, I'm, I'm more emotionally invested in my teams because I'm just an emotional individual as a whole. So when my team fucks up, I'm going to let them know. But Dallas didn't fuck up this weekend, bro. They didn't fuck no. up this weekend. I will uh, I will give them. Well, we did lose on Friday to the Jazz. So that was our first game back, and we lost in Utah. And we go out there to Golden State. We, we, we catch a dub, 23-6 to six run, 23-5 to five run we end the game yeah, on. You guys, in the were like, you, you guys were down like 18 points. You guys had a pretty good comeback. I got to give you guys credit. Yeah, guys, we did something, did bro. You know what happens. Hey, bro. Hey, knocking down shots, bro. That's all you need to do. Take the dubs where I can get it. But, um, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, we are actually ending at a good, reasonable time. My partner has to, like I've always said, kudos to my partner. He's got to go do some of the editing and things of that nature in the thumbnail. So me and him can chitter-chatter and bullshit for a couple of hours, as you already know, in multiple episodes. So I'm, I'm going to let y'all go. But before I do, as always, thank you so much for everything. Uh, three subs away from 400. We hit our year mark, I believe, next week. Yeah, March 2nd, bro. Oh, my God. This week, and we out here three away from 400 in a year. So, literally, this year has been magical. Guys, we've had ups and downs and highs and lows, and we could not be here without you. So, I mean, kudos, 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 and thank you so much. Mm -hmm. This year, this next full fiscal whatever year, going to be even better. And we're going to have a freaking great year. I see it coming. I feel it. We've already had a great start to the year statistically. And Kyle and I are just, we're hyped, we're ready, we're in a good space, clearly, mentally, and as a team, I believe we're, we're headed in the right direction. Yes, sir. And really, there's, there's not much else I could add. It's just, you know, we just got to be consistent, and that's what we're going to do moving forward. It, it, it's good about to get fun, because we've got the NBA playoffs coming up pretty soon. We'll see what happens with the MLB. Depending on what you hear, there's been some reports, there's been some progress, there hasn't been some progress, so we'll kind of keep an eye on that. But all in all, guys, we do it for you. You know, we, you know, Kevin and I, we do the best that we can to give you the, the news of the day, and just ho hopefully you guys just enjoy the content that we put out uh, every time we get behind the mic and, you know, give you guys what you want to hear, and um, we wouldn't be here without you guys. So definitely appreciate that. And I know it's, I sound like a broken record every time I mention this. Um, you know, whether you guys watch us on YouTube or you listen to us on the audio platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, definitely appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, we'll have another episode coming out later this week. We'll have some content in the middle of the week to kind of cover the gaps uh, in between our next episode at the end of the week. Just keep on grinding. It's pretty much main. It's the name of the game, bro. Just keep on Always. grinding. We're gonna Always. See what's going, going to live with the results, bro. So Always. see where it goes from oh, there. I totally forgot. March Madness is here. It's fucking March, like literally on Tuesday. Holy shit. Like all of the major conference tournaments are coming up in like a week. So right, we got some more fun. stuff. It's about to be fun. So, oh, yeah. And we're here for it. So hopefully you guys can enjoy the ride as well. But um, that's pretty much all I got from here. Kev, you got anything else to say? No, sir. But as always, we will see you guys again later this week and appreciate it. Yes, sir. Have a good one, you guys. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic.
Electric Acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid.